following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Good morning, everybody. Uh, good morning, Betty. Good to see you. We are looking forward to have uh, Pastor Odell speak with us this morning from the Word, uh, both services. I will give you my excuse for not preaching this morning. Uh, It's a reason, actually, not an excuse. (laughs) I uh, was gone all week, as some of you know, to uh, Fort Lauderdale for business meetings with Gospel Mission of South America. We had very profitable meetings there, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Uh, evening meetings as well, which weren't business meetings so much as testimony and preaching meetings. So we had, uh, quote, church uh, three nights this past week, and uh, I spoke at one of those and also gave the morning devotional at two of the meetings, uh, business meetings. So I have not uh, slacked too much this week, but uh, preparation time was a little slim, so I thought I'd ask Pastor Odell to come and share with us what uh, is on his mind today. Welcome. Very good to see you folks. So that is my uh, story this, uh, this week. Um, travels went well. It was good to see Tom and Debbie Gibbons from uh, GMSA, as well as uh, Dan and Liz Thompson, Andy and Colette Thompson, uh, James Morell, Sergio Duarte, all these. These guys are field directors with the mission in the different countries down in South America, and uh, some were unable to come. Uh, Normally, our United Kingdom director and Canadian director would come to this meeting, but uh, for example, for Canada, they could leave the country But to get back in was a bit of a problem. They would have to quarantine for a couple of weeks at their own expense. It was going to be at least $2,000 to pay for the government housing for those two weeks. And so it just was impossible for them to attend the meetings in person. We did get them in by computer, so that was uh, at least a partial victory, but still uh, a little disappointing. I'm not sure exactly about the U.K., but it was something similar Uh, some weeks ago, last I knew, so really uh, taking this seriously. Some of our missionaries are locked down in their homes. Uh, Phase one is the worst lockdown level in Chile and maybe in Argentina. I don't know if they don't necessarily correlate exactly with each other, but to give you an idea of what that entails, you must get a permission from the local authorities, police, to uh, leave your home And you may do that up to two times in a week for two hours at a time. So grocery shopping, maybe doctor visit. Uh, One of our missionaries was rejoicing because they got a special pass for a medical. They had a cataract surgery. They They were let out of jail for 12 hours. Yeah, it was like, woohoo, we're free. So they, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's what they're dealing with down there. So we can be thankful we have less of that sort of thing here. But uh, another missionary uh, friend of ours told us, uh, one of the ones I mentioned earlier, said they had not been in a gathered church meeting for 16 months. They've been online, of course, but not, not in a meeting. So with the meetings that we were having there with them, uh, those are one of the first meetings they had had in almost a year and a half. So... That gives you an idea of how tough things have been for, for missionaries. So pray for your missionaries today, would you? Yeah, you'd never know uh, what God is allowing them to go through. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to turn the balance of the time over to Pastor Odell. 
Father, we want to thank you for the privilege to be here today. We do pray for those missionaries that I mentioned and probably many others around the globe who have similar difficult conditions. Lord, would you lift their spirits? Would you strengthen them and help them to find ways to minister to the lost despite the isolation that they're experiencing? I pray for our brother, Pastor Odell, as he speaks to us today, and not only the speaker, but also each and every one of us listening, that we will pay close attention and glean uh, choice gleanings from the word today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor Odell, we'll give you the pulpit here. Uh, we usually go till 1030, but, uh, you know, you can go to 1035. After that, we've got to cut it off so we can be ready for the 1045 service. All right. Thank you. Well, Pastor, what my wife just suggested to you may not be a bad idea since with my eyesight I can't read your clock anyway. So so if you wave at me when I'm getting uh, close, uh, some of you will notice that I brought my Bible, but I'm not using my Bible because I can't read my Bible. So I have to print my Bible verses out with larger pr- type so you see me shuffling papers it's these are all my scripture verses that their scripture readings that we're going to be using uh, let me start off by saying uh, something that I have said to you often before and I say it again I want you to be like Bereans uh, Bereans the apostle Paul said were no more noble than the Christians at Thessalonica in that the Bereans received the word with all readiness of mind, but searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Don't just take my word for anything. Uh, write down the scriptures, look up the scriptures on your own, study it out for yourself, and see if what I am saying is true. If I... Um, say anything that is contrary to what your pastor preaches and teaches you, he's right, I'm wrong. I want you to know that right up to begin with. Okay. In your bulletin this morning, the devotional uh, is a continuation from last week's devotional. And I noticed that it has to do with the Lord saying to the inner circle of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, watch and pray. And um, I believe that as we read the rest of the scripture, that that same admonition is valuable for us today. We need to be watching and praying We need to be alert as to what is going on in God's world today that we might be prepared for what is coming and we might have a sense of urgency about what we're called to do. And and that's basically what I'm going to try to get across to you today is to challenge you to have a sense of urgency. I believe we are in the last days. 
and I don't say that from the stand, standpoint of taking what's happening in our world and applying that to Scripture. I say that from the standpoint of seeing what God says in the Scriptures and applying that to what I see happening in the world today. So if you will, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 18. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it, shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they glorified him not as God, nor were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which it was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, innovators of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgments of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I submit to you 
that what we have in Romans chapter 1 is a picture of the United States of America today. Verse 18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The wrath of God is expressed in various ways in the scriptures. There is, of course, the eternal wrath of God that is yet to come. But we also see the wrath of God in catastrophic events with the destruction of nations and cities. We've seen that throughout the history of mankind. We also see the wrath of God expressed in natural catastrophes and disasters. Throughout the scripture, we see famines that are brought about as an expression of the wrath of God. We see plagues and pestilences as an expression of the wrath of God. But there is an expression of the wrath of God that we find here in Romans chapter 1 that is often overlooked, and it is the expression of God found in abandonment. What do I mean by that? Stated three times here in Romans chapter 1. God says to mankind at times, all right, you're so determined to go your own way, contrary to my way, have at it. I give you up. I give you over. There are many people who have said to me, especially in recent recent years, things like, if God doesn't judge the United States of America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I've heard many different times people say to me, I believe that uh, God's judgment is not far away. God's judgment is coming. Now, let me just pause here and, and give you a parenthesis. Whenever you hear me say the words, I think, I believe, it's my opinion, take that as a grain of salt. It is just that. The only thing that you can trust in totally is God's word. Okay. Having said that, I'll continue now. I believe God's judgment is already on America. I believe that God's judgment is the judgment of abandonment. I believe that America has gone so far that God has already said, all right, it's yours. You have it. Do what you want to do, but you're going to bear the consequences. I hate to be a pessimist, but I believe that the worst is yet to come. I do not believe that 2020 was the worst that we have seen or will see. I believe that the worst is yet to come. I see them, I see us moving rapidly toward that time that is described in the book of Revelation that is called the Great Tribulation Period. Now, let me tell you exactly where I stand so you know where I'm coming from. I don't want you reading between the lines. I want you to know exactly where I'm coming from. I'm a dispensationalist. I'm a 
pre-tribulation, pre-millennial, rapture believer. In other words, I believe that the rapture is going to come before the tribulation and the tribulation will be seven years before the millennium is established by the Lord here on earth. That's where I'm coming from. I believe in the eminent rapture of the church, meaning it can happen at any moment. There are no prophecies that need to be fulfilled before the Lord comes in the clouds to rapture the church. There are many prophecies that have to do with his second coming, the glorious appearing, when he actually comes to the earth. In the rapture, he doesn't come to the earth. In the rapture, he comes to the clouds, and there will be a shout and a trump, and we will be caught up those of us who are alive and remain, uh, those uh, who have already gone on to be with the Lord, their bodies will be resurrected and be reunited with them in a new form, new body, and we'll be changed on the way up. But we will be caught up. That's the rapture. No signs for that. No prophecies that need to be fulfilled. The second coming, or the glorious appearing, is when actually Christ comes down and he will land on the Mount of Olives. And he will establish his kingdom in Jerusalem. And uh, he will rule the world for a thousand years here on earth. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And his kingdom will then go on for all eternity. Now, let me say that uh, there are signs in indicating that that second coming is coming soon. I think the last time I was here, I used the illustration. It wasn't original with me. Uh, the best I can tell, it started back at Dallas Theological Seminary um, with Dr. Wolvert or Dr. Hendricks. I, I don't remember which, don't know for sure which. But they, they illustrated the keeping a watch for the signs of the time to the fact that along about uh, October, it used to be following Halloween, now it's the couple of weeks before Halloween, we start seeing Christmas decorations in the stores at the mall and elsewhere. And those Christmas decorations tell us that Christmas is coming soon. But we know that Thanksgiving comes before Christmas. So even though the decorations aren't for Thanksgiving, as we see the Christmas decorations, we know that Thanksgiving is coming even sooner than Christmas. And we should be preparing for Thanksgiving. Uh, another illustration that uh, I think I got this one from Andy Woods, who is a president of Chafer Theological Seminary and pastor of Sugarland uh, Bible Church down in uh, Texas, 
Anyway, he says when there's a chess match, a chess tournament that's going to go on, the players don't come in, and then all of a sudden there's a chess board in front of them. Somebody comes in ahead of time, and he sets up the tables and sets up the boards and puts all the, the chess pieces on the board ready to go. So when the players come in to start the chess tournament, uh, it's all set and ready. The stage is set. So when we see that person come in and start setting up the board and the chess pieces, we know the tournament is close. It's coming. All right. The Lord in Matthew chapter 16 uh, talks about uh, the Pharisees and how undiscerning the Pharisees were. He said, in nature, you can tell by the color of the sky whether a storm is coming or not. But you have no awareness of the signs of the time. So how can we talk about those of us who are living today before the rapture, talk about the signs of the time, and talk about preparedness for the rapture when there are no prophecies that need to be fulfilled for the rapture. And the answer is, we see the prophecies being set in place for fulfillment during the tribulation period and just before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because we know that the rapture is going to occur before that, we know that the rapture is near. It's coming. It's soon. Now, just a personal testimony so you know me and where I'm coming from. My dad was a pastor in Canton, Ohio. Uh, he died uh, in 1964. But he used to preach on prophecy all the time. And he was convinced that he was going to be part of that crowd that was going to be taken up in the rapture. He thought the Lord was coming. It was soon. It's been 50 years, better than 50 years since that time. What it's, uh, I'll, I'll not do the math, but figure it out yourself. Uh, 1964 from 2021. Anyway, as a young man, I used to uh, listen to my dad preached, and there were times when I figured... I don't need to do my homework this week because I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to be raptured before school starts. But the Lord didn't come. And I will confess to you that as a young man, even as a young preacher, I wasn't too concerned about preaching prophecy because my dad had preached on it so much and nothing had ever happened and things just went on the way they were. But I have to confess to you that as my life has continued and I have watched the development of things over the years, things have, be, be, have been developing more rapidly and with greater intensity so that I cannot ignore anymore, even in my preaching, the fact that I believe that the rapture is very near. I believe the second coming is near. Now, I always preface, that, preface it by saying God can do anything he wants to do. 
I believe that God is setting the stage for us. But he can always reset the stage. I'm not trying to set a date, not going to set a date. I've heard too many people, known of too many people, who have tried to do that over the years. And all it does is to feed the skepticism of those who deny and disbelieve that the rapture is near, the second coming is near. And I'm not trying to set a date, but I do see things that fit the prophecies that will be completely fulfilled after the rapture coming into play now at a more rapid pace and with greater intensity. And I would say also that there is a convergence of the signs. Uh, I heard a preacher say, uh, some time back that uh, when he first started preaching about prophecy uh, to come up with the signs of time, it was like a chicken scratching to find its food. But the fact is that everything is coming together so much now that it is hard to deny or ignore. I believe that what the devotion in your bulletin this morning says to us today, is that we need to be watching and praying. Now, my message today, or my Sunday school lesson today, really is just two words. I haven't got to the two words yet. And I won't get to them until the end. But really, there are just two words. That is the heart of the Sunday school lesson this morning. So you be listening and see if you can detect when I come to the two words. I'm not going to say to you, hear the two words coming. I want you to listen for it. See if you can detect the two words that I have coming. But as I look at Romans chapter 1, part of what I see as far as the stage being set is that I believe that America is already under the abandonment wrath of God. The issue for us today, our mission in life, is not to try to save America. I think, I believe, now, you know what those two words mean, don't you? Those four words. It means you can take this with a grain of salt. But this is my opinion. I think it's a waste of time to pray for a great revival in America. There are many people who, who think go back to the Old Testament, where it says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, Turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. Then I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. And there are many Americans today who are clinging to that. But I believe that we have come to a time when we are so near the end that that's not going to happen in America. I think the stage is being set for what is going to happen after the rapture in the tribulation period. Now, 
That's not to say that we have nothing to do in this life as we're looking for the rapture. I'm glad to see in your bulletin this morning that uh, you're planning to have your booth at the art fair again this year after a pause because of what has been going on uh, the last year and a half or so. I think that we need to have a sense of urgency in trying to reach the lost. And I emphasize that word urgency because I think the time is so near. My wife and I were talking to a lady in our church uh, over in Wixom just several weeks ago. And I was expressing to her that there was a time when uh, I was really concerned about my grandkids from the standpoint that at my age, at my age, I know that I'm not going to be around long even if the Lord doesn't come and rapture the church. Uh, it's just, uh, I just don't have that many more years. But when I think of my grandkids and what they may face, there was a time when I really was concerned about that. The bottom line is that I am not as concerned about that anymore, and I was expressing that to this lady. And you say, well, how can you say that? Because I believe that the rapture is so Close, and every one of my grandkids and all of my children have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, even our six-year-old granddaughter, our youngest granddaughter. And I believe that they're not going to have to go through any more than we do, than my wife and I do. That when the rapture comes, they're going to be gone, and they're not going to have to deal. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to have some struggles yet in this life before the rapture. Don't misunderstand me. I don't think it's all... Uh, bunny fuzz and cotton candy from here on out. But I believe that the time is near and they're going to be taken. Now, the lady we were talking to said, honestly, I don't feel that way because I have a daughter who is far from the Lord. And I'm concerned if the rapture happened now, what's going to happen to her? And I understand that. And that brings me back to what I am trying to urge you to do. Have a sense of urgency about reaching the lost in the community, but reaching the lost in your own family. Because the time is near, I believe, with all my heart. Now, let me go back and show you, again, looking at Romans chapter 1, why I believe that God has placed us in his wrath, under abandonment. Basically, we knew God in this country. In fact, I believe that one of the reasons I believe that the time is near is because America has lived in a bubble for so long. Now, there are countries all across this world where Christians are suffering and persecuted greatly. 
But here in America, we've had kind of a bubble. And here in America, we have been a beacon of light through our missions programs throughout the world. And before Satan can come in and establish his program that is described in the book of Revelation, a one-world government, a one-world religion, before he can do that, I believe he's going to have to destroy America. And I believe that America is on their way to destruction now. And I believe it's because we have followed the path of Romans chapter 1. Let me just give you a brief rundown of what I'm talking about. And this, because of time, I can't spend too much time with this. Your pastor's getting ready to wave at me here in a minute, I know. I know. I can ignore him just like I ignore everybody else, though. I've had to ignore Thurman for years, so I just... Well, I can't. (laughs) The Birth Certificate of America. Declaration of Independence. That's our birth certificate. Do you know that the birth certificate of America acknowledges God four times? Four times? And when I read in Romans chapter 1, when they knew God, I am reminded of the fact that we in America have been greatly blessed of God because there was a time when we acknowledged God and we knew God. Paragraph 1 mentions the laws of nature and of nature's God. There is design. Our country was based on the fact that we have a God that has a purpose and a design for what goes on in this world. Paragraph 2. We are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. That among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So our country was founded on the fact that God is the creator. That all of this came from him. It didn't just happen by way of chance. The last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. Appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions. The supreme judge. Uh, There was a time when our country acknowledged that we were accountable to God. Not just a nine-member supreme court or a presidency or a congress. But we were accountable to to a supreme judge, God, the Almighty. Continuing in the last paragraph, the Declaration of Independence, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, our country was based on the fact that God was not simply an impersonal 
thought out there, but he was actively involved in the affairs of mankind, and he directed the affairs of mankind. There was a time when we as a nation acknowledged God. That doesn't mean that every member of our founding fathers or every member of that first Continental Congress were born-again Christians, though many of them were. Not all of them are. But at least we as a nation acknowledge God and his right over us as creator, supreme judge, and ruling providence, and the God of nature. In 1864, in God we trust, appeared for the first time on coins in this country. In 1954, we added officially one nation under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. In 1956, a joint resolution of Congress declared, In God We Trust must appear on all American currency. There was a time when we as a nation knew God. And then, in 1962, the Supreme Court removed prayer from public schools. There was a time when I went to school, and yes, I did go to school, Thurman. There were schools back then, yes. Yes. Abe said to me himself. <laughs> Back when I went to school, I, I went to a high school in Canton, Ohio, that was made up basically of Jewish uh, people. And so the only requirement we had was that when we read the scripture in the morning, which we did every morning, we read from the Old Testament. So... Uh, Different students were picked to read the scripture. And when I was picked, I read Isaiah 53. My dad, believe it or not, back then we used to have student body assemblies uh, once a quarter. And in uh, and, and some of those student bodies assemblies, they would invite outside speakers to come in and talk to the students. And they foolishly invited my dad to come. And my dad preached to my client or my high school, John 3.16. All things begin to change in 1962. 1963, Supreme Court removed Bible reading from the public schools. 1973, Rover Wade, abortion was made legal. And uh, the inalienable right of life was removed from us, given to us by God. 1980, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a Kentucky statute that had mandated every public school classroom have the Ten Commandments posted on its wall. 1980, the Georgia Guidestones were erected uh, about 90 miles outside of Atlanta, Georgia, the Georgia Guidestones. 
have ten rules. Let me run over these goals that they have. Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. All speak the same language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Have faith, but don't get too wild about it. Have it governed by reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. But their idea of fair laws and just courts are called social justice today and anything but fair and just. Let all nations rule internally resolving external disputes in a world court. Don't have individual nations running their own affairs. They can run their own affairs as long as they are obedient to the world rule. One world government? Have you ever heard of that? Which our present president is bent on plunging us into. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Now that's one I can get along with there. I saw... I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It was on the internet, but I would love to have it. Bumper said, bumper sticker said, raise your own dope, plant a politician. That wasn't true years ago, but it is true today. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony uh, with the infinite, whatever the infinite is. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Have you heard of climate change and everything that's being done in the name of climate change? 1984, Berkeley, California passed the nation's first domestic partnership law. 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court makes same-sex marriages legal in all 50 states. 2021, President Biden issued a proclamation on the National Day of Prayer, but never mentioned God one time. That's our present president. A nation that knew God, glorified him not as God, And we see all of the things that are talked about. The first stage of God giving it over is immorality. And I could go and talk about the 60s and the spirit of the 60s and how it brought in blatant immorality. It's hard to find anything on TV anymore that isn't filled with immorality and filth. 
of any kind. The fact is that the next stage was homosexuality against God and nature. We've said, oh, God didn't design man and woman. That's just all in our head. We can decide ourselves what we are. The third stage is all kinds of blatant immorality. And not only do we commit blatant immorality, and, we, and I don't have time to, to enumerate it, but I know you understand it. But not only do we commit blatant immorality, but we approve of those. It is perfectly all right. To say anything offensive about Bible-believing Christians. Call them haters, if you will. But if you say anything that is in any way construed as an offense to the gay community, whoa, is there a protest raised? Uh, Just recently, we have as an annual expression, the gay pride marches and parades and celebrations. Under the present administration now, not only do we celebrate such immorality in our own country, but our embassies throughout the world are flying the gay pride flag with the approval of our own president. In the White House. I would submit to you that we indeed have followed exactly what is described, and I believe that God has allowed us to do it, and I believe that America is on the road to its own destruction, just like the Roman Empire was, just like the Grecian Empire was, just like Germany was under Hitler. We're on the road to destroying ourselves from within. And that is not conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy if they tell you exactly what they're doing and what their plans are, which they have done, which I do not have time to get into this morning. All I can say to you is watch and pray and have a sense of urgency. Now, here's the two words. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I wasn't going to tell you what the two words are. Here are the two words. But God. But God. I'll elaborate on that briefly, I hope, in the morning service. Now, Pastor, if you'll plug your ears for a minute. I'll just say, in the morning service, we don't have another service to follow, so I don't have to cut off any time. I'll just keep going. (laughs) Father, we thank thee for your love to us. Oh, how grieved we are. Lord, personally, I love this nation and what it has stood for over the years, and it saddens my heart to see the direction we're going. And honestly... I don't see us turning around our nation anymore. But Lord, oh, how determined I am 
to see individuals saved here and there and see family members one to Jesus Christ and grounded in the truth of your word. Oh, Lord, I pray that you might just stir within us that awareness. Help us to wake up from sleep. As you said to your disciples, could you not just watch with me for an hour? Lord, help us not to be like them, asleep. And Lord, I just pray that you would stir us in Jesus' name, for it's in his name we pray. Amen.